The March to Zion broadcast is a weekly radio production of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church. The broadcast is under the direction of Elder Tim McCool, Pastor. For more information, contact 205-364-1396 or write the March to Zion broadcast, P.O. Box 270, Carrollton, Alabama, 35447. Stay tuned for a message of God's sovereign grace. This is Tim McCool, pastor of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church and director of the March to Zion broadcast. Please stay tuned for a message of salvation by grace. It's my great blessing and privilege to be able to speak to you this way on the radio. If you're a returning listener, we thank you for your ongoing prayers and support. And if you're a first-time listener, we hope that you'll feel burdened to join us each week at this same time. It's a great encouragement to know that you are listening, and I would encourage you to contact me. I see some of you from time to time and also hear from you by email or other methods. And I want you to know that it so greatly encourages me to continue to preach this message of salvation by grace when I know that you're listening. So write to me or contact me if you can. My email address is tim at T-I-M-M-C-C-O-O-L-L-A-W dot com. That's tim at T-I-M-M-C-C-O-O-L-L-A-W dot com. I would love to hear from you and know that you're listening. Also, invite you to come and worship with us at Bethlehem anytime that you can. We're located just off of Highway 82 on the Boyd Road near Ecola. We meet each Sunday morning at 1030 and on the 2nd and 4th Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock. I also want to mention to you an upcoming meeting in the area. Five Mile Primitive Baptist Church near Akron, Alabama, will be hosting their annual meeting. 
this upcoming weekend, July 12th through the 15th. They'll begin on Thursday night at 7 o'clock and have services on Friday morning and Friday night and then services on Saturday morning, July the 14th. So I know that their pastor, Elder Luke Laird, a good friend of mine, would love to have you come and worship with them if you can. So keep that in mind. That's south of Moundville near Akron. You can go and worship with them. That's Thursday night through Sunday. So I know that they would love to have you. Without any further delay, we're going to hear a song and bring to you a message from the Word of God.
I want to speak to you this morning from 1 Peter, the first chapter, and ask this question. Are we ready to listen to Peter? 1 Peter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. First of all, let's ask ourselves, are we ready to listen to Peter? Who is Peter? Well, he initially had a name of Simon, and Jesus renamed him. He was chosen to be an apostle. You know, he didn't go looking for that role as an apostle. Jesus sought him out specifically because Jesus is sovereign in his choice of who he called to be an apostle. And by the way, who in the world would have ever thought of going and calling a fisherman? (laughs) You know, somebody would have thought it would have been better for Jesus to call a Pharisee who had all the training in the law. But no, Jesus goes and he calls a fisherman, Peter. He also was a husband. We know that he had a wife, as we read about his mother-in-law being made well of her fever by Jesus, and he was at least a 30-year veteran preacher. Maybe at this point when he wrote First Peter, it was much later in his life. He was growing older. He'd been preaching for a number of years, and by the way, Peter was also the one that walked on water whenever he got out of the ship. Now, we think about that and go, wow, that's amazing that he did that, but at the same time, just remember this, that Peter walking on the water was not a move of faith. It was a move of non-faith because he wanted to get out of the boat, and I'm sure the other guys resented him in that storm that he was asking to get out of the boat. And walking on the water for Peter didn't last too long. But still, nonetheless, he is one besides Jesus himself that walked on water at least for a, a, a few seconds. And notice also that Peter was the one that saw Christ in his glory on the Mount of Transfiguration before Christ was actually glorified after he was resurrected. And Peter is also the one in Matthew 16 that declared Jesus to be the Christ. He said, who do men say that I am? And they went through this long list of different people that they were saying that Jesus was. And then he looked at them and he said, but whom do ye say that I am? And Peter spoke up right there. And he declared him to be the Christ, the Son of God. What a glorious and wonderful thing that Peter did there. You know, we give Peter a hard time because he was always kind of firing off at the mouth. But he, he said some good things too now. Don't miss that at all. He did say some very good things. Peter is the one that also hung on every word of Jesus. Peter is the one in John 6 in response to Jesus asking them if they would go away after he preached that incredible sermon on Jesus being the bread of life and that he would draw all of his children to him and none would be lost. Jesus looked at them and said, will you also go away? And Peter's the one that said, Lord, to whom shall we go? What a great devotion he had to the Lord. He is also one that washed feet with Jesus Christ himself there in John the 13th chapter. And sadly, he is the one who we read recorded in the Gospels that denied Jesus three times and even cursed the last time. And oh, he wept bitterly for that. Oh, he was in such pain and so burdened because he had denied the one that he said he would go to death for. Now, Peter's also the one that after the resurrection, he went back to his profession of fishing for a very brief period of time. It didn't work out too well for him. You know, he didn't catch a thing until the Lord told him to put his net out on another side of the boat. That's Peter. And then Peter's the one on the day of Pentecost that stood up. And notice also that he'd been cowering for days and days, hiding until he understood that the Lord was truly resurrected and that the Lord had called him to preach the gospel. That was his new occupation. And on that day of Pentecost, he stood up in Acts, the second chapter, and preached 
one of the most beautiful messages that you'll ever hear, declaring clearly that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, and he was resurrected, and he was on the right hand of the throne of God, and that he ascended the throne of David even there in Acts, the second chapter. Peter's the one that looked at the lame man there laid out in front of the temple, and he said, Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. That's Peter. And Peter's the one that at his word, when Ananias and Sapphira came in and lied about what they had done and selling property and giving the money over to the church, they held some back. And at the word of Peter, by the power of God, of course, they fell dead. Peter's also the one that came to that dear old sweet sister of the church, Tabitha, after she had died and everyone was mourning. And he, by the power of God and in the name of Christ, raised her from the dead. Peter's also the one that in Acts the 10th chapter, we read that he was called to go down to that Gentile, that Roman centurion, Cornelius. And he told him the truth of the gospel there as he came to him. You know, Peter was a somewhat of a racist at that time because he didn't want to have anything to do with nations and kindreds that were other than the Jewish nation and kindred. But that was Peter that God said, don't call what I have cleansed common or unclean. God was basically saying to Peter, I've got born again, cleansed children of God in many other nations and races and tribes and tongues. As a matter of fact, God says he got them in all nations and kindreds and tribes and tongues. And he tells Peter, don't call them unclean when I have cleansed them. So Peter went down and preached the glorious truth of salvation by grace through Jesus Christ to that sweet man, Cornelius, who had been serving God to the best of his ability and the best he knew how. Peter is the one who was in and out of prison over the years and persecuted greatly for this truth that he maintained. And that's who we speak of here in First Peter, the first chapter. Are we ready to listen to Peter? Are we ready to hear what he has to say? Are we ready to take in his words and embrace them? Because guess what? He's not just writing to the people here back in this time. He is writing to you, and he is writing to me. And notice he gives a description of the people that he is writing to. And for us today, even though we don't live in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, or Bithynia, Peter is writing to us. What he writes here is to us. To who? To the elect. He's writing to these people who he describes as strangers. Ask the question, why does he describe them as strangers? Well, it's because they were not in their native country. And their native country as children of God, was heaven. And they were strangers scattered throughout this natural world in this particular area that he gives. But they were not in their native country, heaven. And notice here, he describes them further as elect. He says, you are strangers, you don't belong here, you're just here temporarily. But you are also described as elect. And the word elect there, it means to pick out, it means to choose. So you see, Peter, this one that we can trust, this one that we need to listen to, this one that went through so much and spent all that time with Jesus, describes his fellow brothers and sisters in Christ as chosen or picked out by God. He's writing to you, child of God, and he describes you as the chosen of God. So that begs the question of how did we become the chosen of God. How can Peter describe us as elected or elect of God? Well, let's consider how 
being an elect of God or a chosen of God works. First of all, the modern idea of religion is that you better perform or you won't get into heaven. You better do right. You better make sure your good works outweigh your bad works. And once you perform the way that you should, then you'll be able to get in. And then there's even other religions that say, and unless you keep on performing the way that you're supposed to, well, you may get kicked out. (laughs) But God's election, God's choosing doesn't work that way. Oh, child of God, you didn't perform to get in. The way you got in was not even of your own works or of your own choice, of your own doing. It was because God chose his son to take on the form of flesh, to come in the form of a man. He was perfect. He was holy. He was harmless. He was undefiled. And he paid the price so that you and I, through him, through his work through his substitutionary work of paying for our sins and through his resurrection we are resurrected in him and we are the chosen of God and don't ever forget this child of God that the being chosen of God does not mean there's some small little you know us four and no more group of people no throughout the scripture it is described as a people out of every kindred and tribe and tongue and nation as the stars of the sky, as the sands of the sea. Don't ever forget that, because a lot of times over the years when we refer to the terminology of the elect or the chosen, there's a tendency to think, well, that's kind of an exclusive group. No, it's not an exclusive group. It doesn't exclude anyone. It's inclusive of the ones that God put in there, and that number is so great that it cannot be numbered. Listen very carefully. Theoretically and technically, you could give a general number of the people, the number of people that have heard the gospel since Jesus was here. You could give a percentage of society just by tracking how the gospel flowed uh, from east to west throughout the centuries and the years up into Europe, from the Middle East up into Europe, and then on over into England, and then on over to America. Theoretically, you can give a percentage. But let me tell you something. The message that I have for you, the message of the gospel is, that God's people are so vast that you can't put them and box them into some percentage. But even before Christ came, God had a people out of every kindred and tribe and tongue and nation. You know, that's so hard for modern religion to explain. How did he have all those people out there among all the nations before Christ came? There wasn't even a gospel preached out there. It wasn't even available to be declared. There was just one single nation back in those days the nation of Israel that had the truth of God and the true worship of God, and it was so small. It wasn't even a large nation. And all those poor people around the world, because they hadn't heard about Jesus or hadn't had a chance to accept him or let him in, they all perished and went to hell because of that. No, no, no. The message of the gospel in the book of Romans makes it clear that when Jesus' blood was shed on the cross, that it flowed backwards, and it covered those that had already been, and those that were already in heaven, out of every kindred and tribe and tongue and nation. And it flowed forwards to cover those that were yet to come, like us, who were almost 2,000 years down the road. See, that's the good news. And that's what Peter is saying when he describes God's children as elect. God has chosen you. He's picked you out. He loves you, and he set his love upon you. And you didn't perform to get in. As a matter of fact, you were an enemy to him whenever he set his love upon us, when his spirit came into your heart and quickened you and made you alive. And once God has placed you in his covenant of redemption, which, by the way, that was before the foundation of the world when he wrote our names in the Lamb's Book of Life. You see, he says you are elect according to something. The way that you are chosen is according to the foreknowledge of God. The cause, the spring, and the source of your election 
is God foreknowing you. There are different types of foreknowledge in the scripture. This foreknowledge right here is specifically applied to the children of God. But God does foreknow everything. There's no question. Just like a mathematician can know the time of an eclipse because he's a mathematician, he's able to see that this is going to happen at a certain time. But just because God foreknows all things does not mean that he causes all things. God didn't cause sin. He's not the author of sin. God doesn't tempt people with sin. It says, neither can he be tempted. God foreknows everything. But this foreknowing right here, this counsel of God, this purpose of God, this ordaining and this application of the free grace of God is special and specific to the children of God themselves. Not to just all events that happen in the world where God has a foreknowledge of things that are coming down the road and things that will happen in the future. Remember, don't ever forget this, that just because God foreknows the things that happen in this world and the things that are yet to come does not mean that he causes them. Otherwise, God would be the author of sin, and he hates sin. He destroyed sin on the cross. He has nothing to do with sin. It's not in his nature. It's not in his character to have anything to do with sin. In the Old Testament, it says that his eyes are too holy to even behold sin. Now, in Romans, the ninth chapter, we read about this special foreknowledge. Romans 9 and verse 11, it says, For the children being not yet born, this is a reference to Jacob and Esau, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand. And how does Peter describe us? Are we listening to Peter? How does he describe us? He says, we are elect according to the foreknowledge of God. And here he says that the purpose of God according to election might stand. So what is the purpose of God according to election? And and how does it stand? He says, not of works. Notice he says, those children, they had never done any good or evil. So it's not God looking down through time and saying, okay, well, I see this one will do good and this one will do evil. No, he says, here are two children that have never done any good and evil, but that the purpose of God according to election might stand. It's not of good and evil, doing good and evil, but it's of him that calleth. You see, God purposed or determined to choose one of those children, and that's Jacob. He says, Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated. There's many people that have problem with that, and the, the apostle Paul anticipated, well, that's just not fair. And Paul said, what shall we say then? Do you say that's unfair? Is there unrighteousness with God? And he says, God forbid. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Did you notice that he doesn't say, well, I'll just give a benefit or a blessing to whoever I want to because I'm an arbitrary God and I can just give it to this one or not. No, he says, I will have mercy. Mercy is being spared from what you deserve. And if we understand that we deserve to pay for our sins in the lake of fire, then we don't have any problem with God choosing Jacob and not choosing Esau, just leaving Esau. Over the years, there are those that have advocated a double predestination. Well, God predestinates these and they go to heaven. He predestinates these and he sends them to hell. Listen, God does not predestinate anyone to go to hell. No, he did not say, okay, I'm picking Jacob and I'm just going to toss away Esau. No, Esau was in the same condition that Jacob was in, in his sins, and God just left him where he was. He didn't have to say, I'm kicking you away now, and I'm going to make you go to hell. No, he didn't make him do anything like that. Esau's nature was such that he was in that condition, because why? He came from Adam, and so did Jacob. Jacob descended from Adam, but God chose in his mercy 
You see, neither Jacob nor Esau had any claim to the mercy of God. Otherwise, it wouldn't be mercy. They had no claim to the grace of God. Otherwise, it wouldn't be grace. Oh, if we can see that, if we can see that God says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion or pity on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but it's of God that showeth mercy. You see, that's what the foreknowledge of God has to do with. It's the mercy of God. God didn't purpose to choose based on somebody's good or evil works. He purposed to choose based on his mercy because we were all in evil. We were all in our nature that came from Adam. You see, God's purpose to choose was before the children were even capable of doing any works, and his purpose stands in his sovereign choice. You see, listen very carefully. Peter says, you are elect. Are we listening to Peter? we have what Peter says. He says, you are elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Did you know that the scripture describes Christ as the number one elect, Isaiah 42 and 1? It describes Christ as the chosen one, the elect of God, that would go and pay for the sins of the chosen elect that God wrote in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. You see, this is a good thing. Otherwise, no one would be saved. Christ was the chosen one. And he has gathered together all of his elect in one in him. Oh, it's a good thing. These are benefits of God's election. We come under Christ because Christ was the primary elect. And Matthew 24 and 31, it describes that God is going to gather his elect together one day. We'll be gathered together because we're described by Peter as the elect of God. In Luke, the 18th chapter, Jesus, in referring to the widow who continued to cry out her case before that unjust judge, he said, shall not God avenge his own elect? He says, I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Do you want justice? Do you want to see justice done? Then as an elect of God, he will avenge his elect one day. And don't you want to look like Jesus? In Romans eight twenty nine and 30, it says we will be conformed to his image. He says we are foreknown by God, having foreknown us and predestinated us to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Don't you want to look like Jesus one day? It's because God foreknew you. It's because God chose you. Oh, my goodness, child of God. The spiritual blessings that we have from heaven. Ephesians 1 and 4, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, according as he hath chosen us in him. Don't you want those spiritual blessings in heaven? Well, you've got them. The Lord's given them to you. And as a chosen child of God, as an elect of God, we should rejoice in what Peter tells us. He says, you are elect, you are chosen. You strangers, you foreigners to this world who have a home in heaven are elect or chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. Are you ready to listen to Peter? Are you ready to listen to that old apostle? He's writing to you and he's writing to me and he's telling us that God has chosen us, that God has written our names in the Lamb's book of life along with a vast number of people that cannot be numbered by man. But God knows even the hairs of their head. He's even got the hairs of their head numbered. May we rejoice in God's choosing. May God be praised for choosing a people. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures
You've been listening to the March to Zion broadcast. For more information, contact 205-364-1396 or write to the March to Zion broadcast, P.O. Box 270, Carrollton, Alabama, 35447. Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church is located seven miles east of Gordo and ten miles west of Northport, just off Highway 82 on the Boyd Road near Ecola. Services are each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and the second and fourth Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. Please join us next week for another message of God's sovereign grace. Amen.